It has contributed to the rise and fall of civilizations, from people who have spent their lives searching for it to today's modern conveniences. Every single one of us is a stakeholder in it. G'day, and welcome to Humans of Agriculture. I'm your host, Ollie Laleve, and welcome to episode three. Today's episode's very exciting. We're heading over to the city of Milan in Italy to chat with Giacomo Cavelli, the sustainability manager at the Media Trade Company. I met Giacomo while I was working with Global Table Australia when we presented Seeds and Chips, the Global Food Innovation Summit last September. Giacomo's perspectives are drawn from his extensive experience dealing with people, institutions and government across Europe. Our conversations cover some incredible startups, the role of corporate and governments moving forward. We discuss what he sees is next for Italy and a question that I've been pondering over the last few weeks. Is there a risk that we as society will return back to how things were before COVID-19? He references a number of the Sustainable Development Goals, in particular SDG 17, Partnerships for the Goals. At all levels, partnerships are critically important to achieve social, economic and environmental outcomes. As this conversation highlights just some of the exorbitant numbers of people facing inequality around the world. It is Giacomo's approach with optimism and positivity for a better future that is infectious. And, in his words, I believe it can be. Enjoy the conversation. How are you? Oh, fine, thank you. What about you? Yeah, we're going well. Are you in the middle of the city? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Lockdown since two weeks uh, in, in this apartment, more or less. Yeah, wow. Okay. I'll give you a quick 30-second overview so what i'm trying to do is i'm calling it humans of agriculture but rather than looking at say inside the farm gate i want to look at the whole food system and say well actually everyone's part of agriculture and our food system and so how can we shape conversations along that way i like it it's a nice approach and i liked also the the question although eventually you don't cover only agriculture because the question that you posed were broader and i think that our conversation will go also touching other important topics such as education, for instance. Ali, there's awesome. one question that I, I didn't understand, the last one. What is about the Beehive Initiative? This was connecting people to the origins of their food. Ah! <laughs> okay! Now I get it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay. L'Alveare che dice sì. That's an app. Okay, that's cool. Startup. And imagine it's actually it's a startup that works all over Europe. It's uh, the original name is uh, La Rouge Que Oui, and it's a very cool marketplace indeed. You would love it because online you choose your product. The range it's only two hundred and fifty kilometers around. Yeah. Of course, it's on seasonal products, so uh, that's uh, the, the 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 point of the main thing. It's sustainable. It's digital. So innovative. It helps the local producers and. Nothing against the, the big distribution, but like that, you help economically on, uh, also people to grow, that they produce food healthier, for sure food of the season, for sure food of your land. Well, it's, uh, it's a very good thing. And uh, I do the grocery there every week. I suppose there's a bit of education in it, isn't there, where... Yeah, people... it's, 
it's something you know it's uh, again I will speak you will see that in my answer I will try to give a perspective that is a bit broader it's not only about uh, environment but it's also social and economic uh, sustainability and uh, this kind of solution helps under all aspects because for example in, in this uh, system 80% of what you pay goes to the producer 80% is a lot only 20% goes to the owner of the let's say of the market and so are you, are you as the customer paying for the transport and logistics like are you buying it out of a hub or how does how does that work normally it works so that um, i mean they have they have, uh, there are spots everywhere every spot is managed by a manager on voluntary basis that then they earn on these uh, 20% 10 goes to the manager 10 goes to the to the website and uh, they have to look for places they have to look for places where they can normally organize this market because the real purpose of the market is that you go and you pick up your food so you can speak with the producers yourself. Uh, now you cannot, for obvious reasons, so they, sh they ship it at home. So they collect everything in one, I don't know, in one uh, store and then, uh, then they, and then they go. But uh, I've been in a pub, I've been in a garage, I've been in the middle of the streets. They always pick up different places. Now they, my, my uh, spot is in a, in a radio station. Oh, cool. Have they only just recently started? Have they come out of the virus and that? Well, it's an app working since five years. And uh, oh, wow. so it's quite, it's quite strong. And if you check, I will send you the, um, the link. You can... Uh, you can check it's all over Europe now. Yep. It's really all over Europe. Okay. I'll uh, definitely go check that out. That's cool. Very cool. It's something that you can actually do in, uh, in Australia as well. I think that they will be very happy to do something like that in Australia. And you yeah. think that you get everything. Fish, meat, uh, fruit, vegetables, biscuit, pasta, floors, everything. Everything. Because that, that, that's the point of a good manager. A good manager has to look for different producers, convince them to join her in, the, in this uh, path. But once uh, the, the deal is done, you can have every kind of food and it's fantastic. I, I get fish from the Mediterranean Sea, I get fish from the rivers, I get uh, pork, I get cow, I get veal, I get even deer and wild boar. That's cool. Your daily blogs that you're writing, what are you hoping to achieve out of that? And what's the, the agenda for it? Well, it's pretty simple. Now, communication here is all about the virus. All the other relevant topics, relevant problems that we have are totally forgotten. So me, that I don't have knowledge about health and virus. I don't have to enter into discussion and debates about that. But I should instead remember that climate change is behind the door. I have to remember that sustainability is something relevant. And most of all, in times of crisis like this, in which we have time to reflect, in which we see the things under a different perspective, and which will bring us to probably a new world, because our world is over. And maybe this pandemic has, has shown us that certain behaviors are not acceptable anymore again, under economic, social, and environmental aspects. So it's important that we stimulate positive discussion and uh, we make the people think to be prepared for uh, the, new, the new restart, the new beginning. Yeah, I think the key is positive, isn't it? It's amazing in these times how you just can get so bogged down with negativity and yeah. actually 
bringing it back to food, I'm not sure what it is it what it's like in Italy, but we've seen supermarket shelves absolutely annihilate. No food left on the shelf. Has it been the same in Milan? It was like that when this thing started one month ago. The people got crazy because there was this uh, rush. Looking at the whole supply chain, do you think it's that our supply chain can't cope as a system or do you think it's, this is just a freak event that probably won't be repeated? Well, I hope that it will leave a, 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 a relevant lesson to the, to the distribution. I mean, they play a, relevant, a very relevant role. I mean, giving food to the people is not a joke. Uh, in this moment, they are among the heroes because uh, the distributors are among the heroes as well as the doctors because they're keeping us alive. And it's one of the few things that is working and is working well. You've traveled a lot in Europe. You've come to Australia as well. Is there a different level of consciousness around the food system that exists in Europe as opposed to Australia? Well, uh, I can tell you that the food culture here in Italy, as you know, is very strong. And uh, somehow we share the approach of the Mediterranean countries rather than uh, with the Nordic Europeans that have different way of approaching food. Here we have a long tradition in agriculture. It belongs to the Romans and uh, probably is even more ancient because also the, uh, uh, the populations that were living in the Pen Island before them they were harvesting and producing food. So our culture is quite deep in, uh, in that, and, uh, but it's also eradicated also in the, uh, the problems that food represents when there isn't. For example, here, there are still people that remember World War II, lack of food. So they have it in their image and they, and they know how to, to cope with that. I mean, people that suffered bombings and uh, that they had no situation like this, that you could go to the supermarket, there was only the black market. So on that is different than Australia because um, the history is a, a little bit more complicated. The perception here is, uh, let's say, it's a sort of evolution of different steps. That is different also from the United States because it's a younger country that suffered different, uh, uh, say, problems and also didn't have the war at all, like we had uh, last, uh, last century twice. The point here is that uh, here in Milano, the people are much more aware, if we get back to my city, they're much more aware of uh, those, uh, let's say, problems than uh, uh, you would expect somewhere else. Uh, there is uh, a lot of culture, startups are growing and they're providing solutions. They find uh, uh, the right environment here to, to, to sell their services, uh, like the, the initiative I was speaking to you about. Uh, we have an excellent mayor that is promoting our food policy uh, all over uh, the, uh, the, the city, but not only. He's, he's promoting it as a, a, something very important for, a, let's say, external policy uh, at the international level. Still is not enough. I tell you, here in, in Europe, in Italy, it's not enough. We have to work more, most of all on education, most of all on culture. And uh, um, I think that this is something that I can't say most of all about us. I know you, Australian, much less under this point of view. I appreciated your culture. I enjoyed the way of living. But I, I cannot give you an analysis. Africans instead are different because the Africans, they suffer it. They, they really did. And... Uh, they, they do it. They do it all the time. They have a lot, lot of uh, resources less than us, most of all, lot, much less money than us. But I can tell you that when I travel to Africa, and I travel most of all in the Mediterranean coast, 
the the thing that I can uh, uh, that you can be sure is that these people will invite you to eat and drink something always, and it is something precious because even if they don't have anything, they share it with you. Food is a culture, as I told you, is a a moment to share, is uh, an experience to live uh, with other people, and. It also shows that, I mean, it's, uh, uh, it gives you the possibility to be, um, to be open to, to different cultures and to, to start a new, new conversation, just thanks to a couple. Hey, it's Nick here, Sheep Farmer and Rabobank Regional Client Council member. I'm passionate about supporting our local community so we can improve community well-being and build strong local economies. My job as a client council member is to help secure funding for regional grassroots initiatives. Those that support education in ag, rural health, sustainability and help bridge the country-city divide. We've helped organisations like Boys to the Bush, funded school field days like Ag Vision and held succession planning workshops, just to name a few. If you have an idea to make a difference to regional Australia, go to our website at www dot rabobank.com.au and nominate via our community fund. We'd love to hear from you. That is not too much. And so you've talked with world leaders, you've talked with governments, you've talked with just everyday people like you and I who are involved in the food system. What's the key to bringing all those people together? Well, you know the Sustainable Development Goals are very relevant because they are, uh, they've been studied very well. They, they touch every single point. I am, a, let's say, an expert or a fan of goal number 17. Because mm-hmm. without goal number 17, it's difficult to accomplish all the other 16 goals. Now it's proved, again, in this moment of crisis, that institutions, they have a central role in providing and keeping the people alive. It's not up to the, to the private sector to do it because it's not their duty, absolutely. So they don't have this kind of responsibility. It's the state that has to help you. Or the international organization, if you're in an international framework, such as the European Union, for instance. Um, but the state alone cannot, in this world, achieve everything. You need the collaboration with the private sector. You need to find a way to work together because you cannot, for example, speak about reducing the the emissions if you don't build a framework together with the private sector in order to keep the people working, keep the industry running, and in the same time reducing the gas. You need a solution maybe coming from little ones, maybe from startups, maybe from SMEs, maybe from university centers. So you need to create a net where everybody does his job. And that's the point of goal number 17, partnership for the goals. It's very relevant. And I learned by speaking with people that they work in this field, that they are pretty much aware of the importance of working together for a common good. Then Everybody has got his own targets and the private sector look for profit and it's correct that it does. And sustainability must be profitable, I must tell you, because it's important that it is. Uh, but it's uh, uh, extremely relevant that uh, 
and the partnership are enhanced that uh, the people work together and that uh, uh, they they try to do it looking for something broader than their own uh, uh, interest. I was working on a farm years ago in Canada and the, the farmer and I were having a conversation and we're talking purely about sustainability in the paddock and we're growing, he was growing lentils. And it was really interesting that his point was that it's, it's hard to be profitable if you're not sustainable and it's even harder to be sustainable if you're not profitable. And I think that's kind of the key message that the SDGs and that collaboration can bring together is that the money today to allow for that opportunity to implement the changes that open up the benefits into the future. I totally agree with you. Economic development is uh, the keystone of this process. And together with economic development, you have culture. Without culture, you don't get to any level. Because if you, you can have the best government in the world and the best companies in the world, but if the people are ignorant, people will waste food. The people will choose uh, the most, uh, let's say, cheap things. And they won't pursue higher standards. So it's very important, the, the international collaboration, it's very important uh, uh, to develop a, a fair level of education for everybody. This was something that I was having a conversation about yesterday. Do you feel there's a risk that we could return to just business as usual in 12 months' time? Or do you truly believe that what's happened will change the way we live? Honestly speaking, I think that this time is over. I would say again, it's not sustainable under an economic, a social and environmental point of view. It's not working at all. So uh, how can you get back to, to business as usual? If most of all, it's not about the present, but look about the short-term future when the economic consequences will highlight the different level of, uh, let's say, uh, wealth of the people. A lot of companies will disappear here and uh, the company will, which will disappear won't be rich companies. Will be companies without, let's say, solid basis with uh, little money. How can you, can you think that in a world where there are 800, in a world full of controversy, 800 million people in extreme poverty, the same number of people suffering hunger, two billion suffering lack of food, uh, while in the same time you have almost two billions overweight and 650 people obese, you cannot. That's something that it's not feasible. I, um, you know that we consume one word and a half, that like around July, more or less, is the moment of turnover. When we finish the resources of, one, of our planet, I mean, how can this thing go on? This crisis is showing us that we are weak and we were not prepared for something like that. But we are not prepared even under an economic point of view. Because if you would, if they, let's say, I'm not an economist, but if the wealth would be much more equally distributed, the, 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 the consequence would be much different. Then, of course, the state has to help, but the consequence would be much more different. I don't know if you read The Capital of the 21st Centuries, it's a book of Thomas Piketty uh, wrote in 2014. Anyway, it shows how inequality is baked into our current economic model. Like in a free market economy, he says, inequality inevitably rises faster than growth. 
And as the incomes of the rich become more reliant, more asset wealth than salaries, the old form of redistribution based on tax income, tax income and the corporation tax ceases to work. So that's the point. The, the, the whole system has to change. The SDG provide a good part because they have everything included. But um, again, it has to be uh, something global, not something approach, something that should be seen for the entire world. And so there was, I suppose, one person who you've met that were, was bringing this conversation together. It happened with Seeds and Chips in 2017. Barack Obama, when he finished as president of the US, he turned his attention, I suppose, to really focusing in on that next generation and bringing a conversation um, around the food systems and the involvement. What were a couple of his key messages that came out of Milan in, in 2017. First of all, that we were missing a leader like that at the international stage. That's the first message I would say, because while he was speaking, I mean, I, I've been lucky to listen to, to him. In, he's inspiring uh, and uh, he's fascinating, but uh, most of all, he is a leader and you, really, you can really touch it. The fact that he was uh, speaking, such a, a person was speaking about food, a, a man who drove the most important uh, economy, the most important country of the world, he was uh, there in Milan speaking about food and sustainability. It's a strong message that I will never forget. He was there because he was believing in what he was saying, because otherwise he would have never stepped for that. And he showed <laughs> how he he did in during his presidency, although as a president of the United States, you cannot really do whatever you really want to do. But you could really feel that uh, it was uh, uh, true. His words, his words were true. And the message that he was sending uh, was a message of hope, a message of uh, uh, participation, a message uh, in which nobody was excluded. That is actually always what I had in mind when I, I thought about him. So yeah, I would say inspiring. I would say inspiring and encouraging. And uh, I'm happy that people like that are still, let's say, speaking, even if they're not driving uh, the, the country where they live, but they can still do a lot. Again, culture, education. They can inspire people. They can be a, a school for people. And uh, that's relevant because maybe, you know, the next leader is a guy of uh, 20 years old that was in Milano listening to him. And maybe in 20 years, it will drive our, our economy to a much better future. I believe it can be. The words exclusion, but education there as well. At the moment, we're, and a couple of things have come out of that. We're, we're looking at the whole system where we've got this fragmentation between um, people who are obese, but people who are completely malnourished. And for us here in Australia, a lot of them are actually a lot of the world's population are actually on the doorstep of us in Asia there. And um, the current crisis is highlighting the SDG4, fair, equal and quality education. And today, I think UNESCO's figures were that there's nearly 900 million people who are, should be getting educated who are now sitting at home. And do you think today's i suppose detriment of short-term losses will be 
immense opportunity as we change the way that people learn and study and these the young people interact uh, we are now all practicing smart learning because uh, the, the, the the situation is this but we were not ready um, we were not ready in my country and I am sure we were not they were not ready in other countries too imagine today are 138 countries in total lockdown schools lockdown so it's uh, 1.37 billion students at home it's a huge number <laughs> and it's it's a problem because uh, um, like you rightly said education is is relevant and uh, uh, although there are systems it's not so easy to use them because we never practice them so much and I tell you, another of the problem is not only about the systems, because maybe I can have the system here, because my, my, my school is cool and whatever, but it's also about sharing those systems in between the country itself and most of all, international cooperation. So it's important, we will pass this crisis, it will be a moment that is like that, time to reflect, time to understand that we have to be faster and we have to um, be ready for those kind of uh, situation but almost uh, surely we will change our habits i mean business as usual again is not an option anymore so what it is uh, today a smart learning uh, emergency might become a smart learning practice from time to time or it might become a tool to help people that cannot go to school for many reasons to be educated. For that, in solution must be implemented, innovation must be boosted, uh, funds, econ the economy has to help and support uh, private sectors to do what they should. And again, collaboration between institutions, universities, uh, school uh, and uh, uh, education system with the private sector must be implemented in order not to be found again in a situation like like this it's a wake-up call but remember this is for us that we're lucky but there are 250 million people that don't have but young people that don't have education and almost 800 million adults that are totally illiterate because these are unesco's numbers and that's not affordable if we want to reach an adequate level of uh, development, we have to invest in education. Today's crisis have, have proved that the lack of money in the education, or better, in this case, in the health sector, resulted as a main fault. That's why I tell you business as usual is not possible, because the people cannot forget what the mess in our hospital because has not been invested enough because they they thought it was not you know we never had an emergency like that so why to do it today yeah. why why to invest in computers in laptops or in programs if you i mean you have people going to school and in your city the people are doing it from uh, from from the beginning till the end of the year now the people have to change their mind what are the real opportunities for italy going forward and to, I suppose, support and build that, that brand and the culture that exists coming out of something like now. Is, that's going to be critical in terms of bringing people back together. Well, if we think about um, 
the community itself, I think that uh, this crisis is uh, giving us the opportunity to uh, be united. At the end of the Second World War, Italy has uh, undergone a, a very deep crisis, of course, but we had a, an economic boom that was incredible in the years immediately after the recovery. We proved that the Renaissance was possible and uh, that we had all the skills to, to do it. And I, I believe that this is a, a, a real uh, chance for us. In moments of crisis, we proved that we, as a country, we can, we can really uh, achieve much better results. I don't know, maybe we work better under stress. It's the same thing as with the World Cup. In 2006, yeah. Italy was, Italy, Italian football was a disaster because we had a process against the major team and there was some heavy punishment. So they, 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 they was, it was an earthquake and we won the World Cup. Probably without it, we would have never won the World Cup. I don't know. It's a strange thing in our mind. So I want to be positive. Because now it's better to be positive, and because it's it's good also to be positive, why to be negative? I think that we will leave, we will leave a new a new time of uh, renaissance, and uh, I'll be happy to, to contribute to that. And how we can bring in the global conversation, I think, is, is something that you've been working on for years. But absolutely, yes. How we how we can do that? It would be really cool from this, I suppose. Reshift the focus. So using food as the core. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, trading investments. And um, remember that, and now I speak more broader because Italy alone doesn't exist. Um, I am European. Uh, I'm proud to be European. And uh, I really feel that. I'm happy to be Italian. Uh, I'm happy to live in, to, to be from Milano, but uh, I, I feel European. And... Um, our relation should be Europe-Australia when we talk about uh, trade and investments. Imagine that Australia is the 19th largest trade good in trade in good part uh, trading goods sorry, partner of the European Union, and the European Union represents the third Australian largest trading partner after Japan and China, and before the United States of America. So. The, the relation is already deep, but uh, imagine if those are the numbers can only grow. And the, in the free trade negotiation between Africa, uh, Europe and, uh, and Australia can be an opportunity to boost those kind of investments. Food is definitely the sector in which we might find the most difficulties because a lot of uh, Europeans are living in Australia. So there is this um, uh, uneasy question of the dispute of the settlements uh, and the origin of the food and stuff. So, but once it will be clear for everybody, the <clears throat> advantage of having an open uh, market between the two for the consumers will be a huge, a huge, uh, let's say, success. Because here, for example, me, I, I love Australian wine. I don't find Australian wine here at all. I find like two wines. That's quite sad because I would like to, to experience more wines from Australia. I really enjoyed in the Yarra Valley, for example, very good wines. And yeah. uh, the people here would love it. 
but they don't have it because they don't get till here. Or uh, <clears throat> same thing for kangaroo meat. Here it's not, it's, you don't find it. Or uh, a lot of other delicious products. You're, the same your coffee. Yeah, we get only the coffee coming from the country we, we, with whom we partner. Of course, we have our brand and we choose our brand, but <clears throat> it would be interesting to have even coffee from Australia. I mean, there are a lot of products that can, can be traded between Australia and, uh, and Europe, and I think it could be a success. And so coming back to how we make change out of this, what are the, the next steps with getting people to the table? To We've seen global table in Australia, we've seen seeds and chips. Don't you miss those events? Oh, it was good, wasn't it? Yeah, it was very good. It was a lot of fun. A lot of fun, really. If it goes ahead this year, you better come back. Yeah, I would love it. Why? I mean, <laughs> I, will, I, I hope that he will, he will go and uh, then I will definitely speak with the organizers to try to find a way to participate somehow because I would really like to be there. You know, those moments are important. <clears throat> Not because we were part of it. I mean, uh, we did a very good job. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's obvious, but that's not the point. <clears throat> I mean, those are very important moments because uh, we put all the, all the people together, institutions, international organizations, NGOs, uh, startups, big industries, they're all there. They speak, uh, they listen, they develop ideas. Um, they do education. Huh? So again, we go back to that point. International events like those uh, are important to make the people uh, understand that uh, there is another world, there is another perspective. And uh, I think it's, uh, that's what I would like to see coming soon. For example, Expo Dubai 2020, it's an important event. I wrote one of my posts about it because uh, the Italian pavilion is working pretty much on it. Uh, nobody knows if the, the Expo will take place for obvious reasons. I really hope so. Because the world needs these connections. The world needs this exchange of mind. Globalization might have a lot of problems, might have a lot of uh, inequalities that has to be corrected, like I was speaking with you before. Those inequalities are unacceptable, but in the same time, globalization helps the people to develop new ideas, to, to break barriers, to learn from each other. You know, on my three weeks in Australia, I, I had the opportunity to learn you know, a little bit about your culture and uh, to understand that you were not at all so different than us. I felt at home. I felt like Melbourne was a European city or me, I was an Australian. I don't know at that point, which is the origin anymore. But I was, I was very comfortable with you guys. And um, you you cannot maybe think about something like that when you imagine a place that is on the other side of the planet that is that you take 24 hours to reach by plane. So those are rich examples uh, that make uh, you rich uh, under many points of view and make you then work much better. That that's what I'm I, I envisage for the short term. Let's say not super short because let's say short it's impossible, but medium term. Second part of the year, I hope. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that was all. Oh, I was really hoping it was kind of underlined, but 
I was hoping I'd maybe get to Milan this year, but we'll have to maybe look at next year now, I think. So maybe I'd love to get, I can't wait to just it's that it's the cultural piece and it's that's where like you're saying, globalization is so amazing, is because it puts everything into perspective, whether it's this time last year when all of this kind of came to fruition, I was in South Africa and you're looking at kind of the the extremes of the the wealthy and then the absolute extreme poverty and they're side by side and it's something we don't really have in australia not would certainly not to that level and the people who are experiencing the likes of food insecurity and, and hunger lack of education they're not front and center like they are in some of these other areas of the world yeah and we have a, a huge responsibility because we are wealthy people i mean uh, i didn't choose to to, uh, to be born here in Milano. Uh, it, was, uh, it was a lucky strike. Uh, otherwise, I could have been born in uh, Nairobi. Or I could have been born in Milano, but in 1912. And being now at my age in the middle of the Second World War. You know, it's, it's an incredible opportunity that we have, you in Australia, we in Europe, to, to, to work together to, for a better place. It's our responsibility, I think. Um, on food waste, for example, uh, the, the amount of food that we waste in Europe is uh, huge. Is an amount that is not even possible to calculate. Food waste in the entire world is one of the main, uh, let's say, uh, producer of greenhouse gas emissions. It's like the third. If it would be a country, it would be the third country after China and the United States. So it's something that is not acceptable because most of it of it is coming from us. It's coming from rich people, and it is not acceptable. As well as the emissions, I mean, we have to to stop. I, I like Europe that is leading the way in this field. I like to see that there is a commitment and that there is an, a, a good conversation. As much as possible, we have to go on and we have to to to, to work together because alone again you don't reach anything so international cooperation is uh, extremely uh, relevant most of all when you have uh, lack of leaderships in some places where it should instead be uh, so it's really important that we all work in the same uh, in the same field to to achieve those uh, those targets because uh, the, the world depends on it absolutely Thanks for tuning in to episode three of the Humans of Agriculture podcast. Today's episode discussed some of the vast inequalities that exist. The 1.37 billion students that are not in school today due to COVID-19. The 2 billion people that lack food and the fact that we use the world's resources halfway through the year. It is the opportunity for global conversations that can broaden our understanding. We are seemingly not that different. And I find it very exciting that there are so many amazing people like Giacomo all over the world that are promoting partnerships for the goals to create a better future. If you'd like to reach out to Giacomo, you can find his details in the show notes below. I can't wait to bring the next conversation to you. And as always, if you've got any questions or comments on today's episode, please reach out to us on Facebook and Instagram at Humans of Agriculture. Look after yourselves and each other. And thanks again for listening.